Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, y'all, quiet crowd. Listen, how's everybody doing this morning? Before we get started, I need everybody to open their Bibles to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. We're going to study a brand new series. It's called Once Upon a Marriage. And we're going to examine some couples out of the Old Testament and see how far, you know, for what happened, for better or for worse. And the marriage maybe can speak to us and empower us in our own marriages for the better. Amen. How many of you want a great marriage? And so let me ask you, how many women in the house this morning? Come on, women. Come on. How many women in the house? All right. Ladies, how many of you know when you were a young girl that you had one day you were, you had, you dreamed about getting married? You dreamed of having that perfect marriage, that, that, that perfect wedding, but, you know, you'd already named your kids before you were 16. Come on. How many men are up in the house? Two men. Come on. How many men are up in the house? How many of you, when you were 16, you dreamed of getting married and being intimate with your wife? Twice a day and three times on Sunday. You see, how many of you are just still dreaming about getting married? Or still dreaming about having that that perfect marriage? See, the reality is when when it comes to romantic love, our world is very confused. How many of you are talking about? And see, culture teaches that a young girl, you know, if, if you play your cards right, you'll get the prince that'll sweep you off your feet and life will be perfect. You'll have the house with the white picket fence, you'll have the dog, and you'll have the 2.5 children that you're supposed to have. And everything will be great. See, you know, the reality is happily ever after doesn't come in so many marriages. See, this morning, today, I'm, I want to look at a very... A very unusual story. So before I read it, let me just set the story straight up. Is that all right? And so this morning, if you know anything about the story of Jacob, he actually had a twin brother named Esau. He was the hunter. Jacob was the kind of the houseboy, mama's favorite. And what happens is his, he, he steals his birthright from his brother, and he's running from his brother because he knows Eli's, uh, Esau is going to kill him. And his mother had been gone on. And so Jacob traveled. And as he traveled, he comes upon this well. He's looking for his mother's family. And he comes upon a well. And he finds out it's actually the well of his uncle, Uncle Laban. And as he's at the well, he sees this girl named Rachel. And she begins to approach the well. And she is drop-dead gorgeous. And then he was like, so immediately, probably because of her appearance, he falls in love with her. Come on, man. When you first saw your wife, I'm helping you out this morning. And just, you know, if if you know anything, so immediately falls in love. So just to know, Rachel was his uncle's daughter, which means she was his. That means they were like, they were from, from the deep woods. Okay? And so... He's kind of, he's, he's thinking to himself, I, I could just marry this girl. Finally, all my troubles would just be disappearing. I mean, she is like, why? She'll meet all my needs. You know, Jacob never had the love of his father. And so, because he never had the love of his father, you know what happens? It creates a longing and it creates an emptiness in us. And he had lost his mother. 
And, and, and so can you imagine how compounded, all the stuff that was compounded going on the inside, wanting acceptance, wanting love, feeling empty. It doesn't have all those things. And all of a sudden on the scene, he sees at this point he's really gasping for, he, he doesn't understand the unconditional love of God. And so it's no wonder he sees this beautiful girl and he's probably thinking something along the lines, maybe that's the one. She's the one. If I can just get married, then finally this marriage will fulfill my emptiness. And not only will it fulfill my emptiness, I won't feel so lonely deep inside. So our world today, this ha- I mean, you know, in our world that happens. All through our society. And, and maybe you're the girl and you went through school and you felt inadequate because you always had to have a boyfriend. Or you were that guy and you always had to have that smoking hot chick. To impress all your buddies. Or maybe you're that middle-aged guy that, that, you know, that he's had a wife that's been faithful. And his kids think, you know, everything's fine. It's wonderful between mom and dad. And then he starts to hate his job. And he kind of goes through a midlife crisis. And he trades in that faithful good wife to get him a younger girl. And all she becomes is just a commodity to him. Because he feels ugly. He feels like he doesn't. And so he looks for her to bring fulfillment. If you... If you just have that marriage, listen, see, if you just have that in marriage, then and, and you're full of emptiness, and that's how you feel inside. You feel empty. So this, this verse, let's go with me to Genesis chapter 29, and I'm going to begin. We're going to have a little fun this morning, but I want to give a twist to this this morning. How many of you love the Lord this morning? How many of you want a great marriage? Let's keep focused on that. That's what we're talking about this morning, having a great marriage. So now what happens in verse 16, now, now Leah had two daughters. Now Laban had two daughters, I'm sorry. The older daughter was named Leah or Leah, however you want to say it. And the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. So Here's, how, here's what it's saying. Maybe you might not have studied Hebrews, but I've had to read Greek and study Hebrews and do all those. I'm not an expert, but I know that Greek Hebrew scholars will argue, and it, it's a very polite way of saying that Leah was not that attractive. She was okay, but she just wasn't that attractive. Now, Rachel, she was, the Bible says she was lovely in form and face. You see, let me give you an example. Here's Leah, and she probably looked a lot like, do we have it? We ready? This. <laughs> now, the younger one, Rachel, she probably looked a, more, a lot more like this. <laughs> that happens to be my smoking hot wife, my bride, who's lovely in every way. Come on, let me just say that. And I'm, I'm not an idiot. I'm making brownie points, and I will redeem them as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> I would never, never undervalue the importance of having a phys- you know, your physical attraction. That's important. That's the way God made us to be, that we're attracted to our spouse. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And see, in our world today, we so overvalue, especially we're oversexed, we're over you know, uh, extremely driven on the outside, whatever someone has on the outside. Am I making sense here? In fact, we, if you dig in the story, you're going to find that it heavily implies that the older was less attractive, really, 
But she was far more superior than the, her, actually her little sister. See, often today, what matters is how people look. Are you successful? What does it, what, what, what does the outside look like? So often, that's what we look at. In reality, if you look carefully at the story, that's about all Jacob knew. You see, it's like I've met people that are going to get married at times, and I go, hey, how's it going? Oh, and I, I, you know, yeah, I'd seen like, oh, Pastor Bubba, you just don't snow. Look, the ring. I got the ring. It's the ring thing. You know, come on, girls. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh the ring, Pastor. I said, oh, that's awesome. Man, that's great. I mean, does, does he know the Lord? I'm working on him. But he has beautiful blue eyes, Pastor. Oh, really? Yeah, they're stunning. They're just incredible. That makes me want to ask a question like, well, let me ask them. So you're going to get married and you're going to have children. What if you have a little boy and he gets really sick and you need someone to be the spiritual leader in your household? Is he going to pray for that boy? Is he going to bring you to the Lord? Or is he going to close his eyes and open those beautiful blue eyes that you said and somehow that's going to make a difference? Y'all got quiet on me. Because, see, the reality is sometimes we try to do things. And, and see, let, let me just say this. You cannot build a marriage on the external. How many you believe that? As a couple, you have to dig deep into the issues that you and your spouse don't want to talk about. Anybody have those talks? See, this is very likely what's going on with Jacob. He's thinking, my whole life is empty. I can just, if I can just marry this one, then my life is going to be, woo! Peaches and cream, baby. But see, I would like to tell you today that so many of their marriages, you know, marriage is not the answer for your happiness. Marriage, marriage is, is, that, is, is, is what I need. That's what we think. See, this is the very reason why we're, we're not achieving what God wants us to have today is because sometimes we look at that person in that marriage to meet all of our needs. And the reality, we know that only one person can. And see, so there are three problems I want to talk to you about, and I want to give you the answer because I know at our Savior's Church, you, ask the incre- you always ask me incredible questions. You see, I just, I just believe this. I believe that, that these problems are wrong. When you wrongly believe them in your marriage, but I want to give you the answer too. Number one is when you believe marriage is the answer, you compromise more than you should. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You compromise more than you should. See, you give things that are, that are important to you or important to God in pursuit of that one person who you think will satisfy you. You think, I'll do all of this. So, and I know they'll satisfy me. Look at Genesis chapter 29, verse 18. And so, he, remember, he sees her and everything. And since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for her. I'll work, I'll work for you for seven years. If you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, is my wife. You might, well, that, that, that seems like, well, well, that seems offensive, but in that culture, listen to me, a man would purchase a bride by either money, by livestock, or he would work for the family. And see, you might say, well, that's incredibly romantic, seven years. You know what? He's willing to sacrifice more than he, you know, the average, what I found out, the average time that a person would work to have his bride was two years. So he's willing to sacrifice more than he really had to. 
to get what he thought that he needed to fulfill this emptiness in his life. Am I making sense here? And see, you, you may say, well, that's, that's, that's crazy. Four times the amount to give up? You know, you, you have a guy who's saying, I'll do anything for her. Anything. I'll give up more than I should. The very, it's the very same thing that people do all the time in our society. I'll do whatever it takes to get them. I'll give up more than I need to to get them. See, I think about a sweet girl who says, I want to save my body until I'm married. And, 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 and uh, he meets a cute guy and she wants to marry him. And he kind of puts a pressure on her sexually. And, and, and she's like, I'd rather not. But, I, but if I give him my body, maybe, just maybe, if I compromise, then I'll get his heart. Or I'm, I'm getting close to 30 and... You know, I mean, I mean, you know, the land looks a little barren out there. And maybe if I, or, or maybe the guy who wants to impress the girl and he's rather shallow, and what he does, he goes out and buys a bunch of stuff on credit, come on, to impress her, to get her stuff. And, and, and what he's willing to do, he's, he's, willing to, he's willing to give an image that he can get her all this stuff. In reality, he's just getting more and more debt. I always think about this. Can I, can I just be really real with you? I wish I, I told my wife, I wish I had all the money I wasted on little girls that I didn't marry. Or Come on. Come on, men, are you with me? Y'all not with me? Okay. I just maybe, okay. See, when marriage is your answer, let me just say this. You'll compromise more than you should. I will do anything for this one to make me feel valuable. You'll do more than you should. The second thing, are you following me? See, when you wrongly, marriage is your answer, you tend to become very demanding. How many are talking about? So you become very demanding. That's exactly what Jacob did. Look in verse 21. After he works for these seven years, finally, verse 21, the time came for him to marry her. I fulfilled my agreement. Jacob said to Laban, now give me to my wife so I can sleep with her. How many of that might be a little demanding? See, I did my part, so send her here so she can do her part. You see, that's how shallow he was. Let me just be honest. It's not polite, it's not honoring, and it's not tender. It's very, in fact, it was very dishonoring to Laban, and it was very dishonoring to her. He was being demanding. What he's saying is you give me, you give her to me and I'll do my part, but she better be doing her part. Quite honestly, this is what happens in so many marriages today. Rather than being a covenant where we lay our lives down, the marriage erodes into a contract. What do you mean? I deliver this, therefore, give it up. You deliver this. See, as soon as that happens, our expectations of each other, all of a sudden are, are dis, we're, we're dissatisfied because they never live up to our expectations. Come on. There's times when I've been tired and I've been, I've been hunting in the morning and, and, and then I come to the office and I'll meet with people or I'll go talk to people or I'll go do a Bible or something like that. And, and then by the end of the day, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. My wife can be very demanding. She says, I want to be with you. Hug me. Kiss me. That don't happen. But in my mind, I'm, I wish she was demanding. 
My wife's a great wife. She's smoking hot. Remember that. And see, all of a sudden, we, we're just having, because see, can I just tell you, sex, quite honestly, is just a commonplace. Just commonplace. You know, I, I, I'm doing this, so baby, you, you, you do this for me. Come, am I in the right house this morning? Y'all look like y'all in a deer with the headlights on this morning. See, I'm talking about stuff you had, maybe you hadn't been talking about, but you need to talk about. Okay, let me, this is not our Savior's funeral home. Come on, someone needs to get free this morning. I know women can be demanding. They can have all these expectations. They go, you know, baby, you need to do this. And baby, you need to do that. And baby, I'm asking you, can you, baby, can you? Because women expect men to know. Let me tell you, ladies, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know if you don't tell us. We don't know. Even if you say it slowly. We still miss it. Because we are men and that's just who you have and that's who we are. Maybe your husband's demanding. Working moms. You, you work, 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 work. And you're working. Then you're exhausting. You get home and your husband comes home and he's like this. Where's my dinner? She's like, where's my dinner? Husband get home and, you know, or, or, or even worse, you're a stay-home mom. And he comes home at the end of the day, so it must be nice sitting around the house doing nothing. You think to yourself, women, I'm going to kill him in Jesus' name. <laughs> He's like, draw me a bath. Give me some grapes. And so, even in a good marriage, it's easy to say, I did my part. Now you do yours. When you really believe that your spouse is the one you should, you know, one who should meet all your needs, you compromise more than you should. Amen? The third thing is this. When you think that marriage is your answer, you always end up dissatisfied always what do you mean pastor some people in a marriage with so many expectations that there there there's no way one person can fulfill all those all of them see when you when you've done when when you're you've done when you're done it's set and our spouse is guaranteed to fail see when you're done you're you set up your spouse for failure when you you have all these expectations can I, can I just be honest with you? I am not. I remember, can I just, I'll just be straight up. My wife, her daddy can fix anything. I mean, her daddy builds stuff. He's, he's 78. He still, he goes, he has a retirement home in, in, in uh, Arizona. And he lives up in the, uh, in the Puget Sound on an island. And his front yard's the beach and all this stuff. He built the decks. He built the rooms, all this stuff. And, and my wife really had to love me to leave that place. I promise you. He even offered us the lot next to him. She really loves me. And he can fix anything. And I used to go like, she goes, you know what? 
she doesn't do this to me, but she goes, she goes, I wish you sometimes you were like my dad. You could just fix stuff. Let me tell you something. You know what God made me? Look, I always tell people, if you need a plumber, don't call me. If you need a carpenter, don't call me. If you need someone to paint, don't call me. If you need this, I'm going down the list, okay? There are some things I can do. But if you have a problem in your life and with your heart and your spiritual life, I can help you. Because that's just the way God gifted me. Are you hearing me? I've gone to airports and I've talked to guys, talked to this one doc, doctor, and we were just sitting in the airport talking, and he goes, he, we were talking, he said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a heart specialist. He goes, really? Where do you practice? Oh, I practice in uh, Jennings, Louisiana, and all around our region. Oh, really? Wow. Where did you go to school? Uh, Bush University. Bush, the burning bush. <laughs> Your heart's, but yeah, I'm, I'm a preacher. I specialize on human hearts. Oh, you're an idiot. Anyway. <laughs> but can I tell you something? I can say this. When I got into marriage, I had a lot of expectations. And I had to learn over the years, my wife can't meet all my expectations. But if I take the time to communicate, learn to have the the ability to listen. I'm going to tell you, that takes a long time for some of us guys. Amen? Thank you, Jim. You and me, baby. In fact, you know, what you've, you know that's, that's what's going wrong in this story. There's an expectation of someone to meet a need. And see, in fact, let's just catch up to speed, and we'll look at a couple of verses. Jacob was like, I, I've, got, I've got to marry this girl. She's beautiful. The uncle was sitting, and he was thinking, wait a minute, i got a problem here. Because, you see, okay, my oldest daughter, Leah, in our culture, she has to get married first. She can't get married. The younger girl can't get married before the older one. So he's, he, he's thinking, what am I going to do? So he's trying to be active to try to get something going on. And if you know anything about this culture, so there, there, there's this wedding feast. And the wedding feast back then would last five days. And there was probably a little bit of alcohol going on. And for five days, I guarantee you, Jacob was probably a little toasted. He was happy. And the Bible even says in this portion a scripture, and he's looking, and his uncle's looking around, and he goes, hey, baby, come here. He gets Leah, come here, honey, come here. He puts his big old fat wedding dress on her. He said, listen, you just listen to your old daddy, and we're going to work it out tonight. You just do what I'm telling you to do. And let me tell you something. He takes this big old thing, puts it over his daughter that's less attractive than Rachel, and then he puts his full dress in, in the marriage, and he goes, you go up into the marriage chamber, honey, and you seal the deal. Yes, daddy. So this is what happens. You have, you, you, I mean, I love the Bible. I mean, you know, sometimes it just speaks the truth. That night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. See, Laban had given Leah the servant. That has nothing to do, but let's go to verse 25. Then when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years with Rachel and you've tricked me. 
See, if you read this, if you read into this, he freaks out. This is what's going to happen anytime you think that someone else is going to meet your need. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Whenever you believe that your marriage is the answer, you're going to go, you're going to think that you're going to bed with Rachel. Come on. But you're always going to wake up with Leah. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? When you wake up, you're always going to go, huh? Because no person can meet all your needs. Amen? She was willing to go in. She did what her daddy told her to do. But see, after all this, these are words that really actually break my heart when I read these things. We know that they get married. They, they seal the deal. And Leah is in this point where she, she comes and she, 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 she begins to pray. And, she, and, she, and the, Lord, the Bible says the Lord saw, look at verse 31. The Lord saw Leah was unloved. She was unloved. And he enabled her to have children. But Rachel could not conceive see these words break my heart because see this is what she said after she had the child look what it says so leah because it became pregnant gave birth to a son she named him reuben she said the lord has noticed my misery and now my husband will love me surely he'll love me now i've given him what he wanted he'll love me now i'll give him children maybe our marriage will work I'll make more money and, and buy her whatever she wants. Maybe our marriage will work. Or maybe I'll have that surgery and give him what he wants. And maybe, maybe he'll be attracted to me then. Or, or maybe we have the lifestyle that whatever, surely, or she or he, they'll love me if I. I want to pause here for a moment and ask a question. What's missing in this whole story? What's missing? Come on, anybody help me? Okay. From the start up to now, what's missing? I will answer it. There's no evidence of prayer. There's no evidence of anyone seeking God. There's no evidence of faith. There's no evidence of spiritual connection. As far as we can, it's all based on what I can get out of you. Most of us have been taught to really be fulfilled in life, you have to find the one. To really be fulfilled in life, you have to meet the one. The one. You have to meet him. And when you meet him, he'll show you the two. Because he's the one. Amen? My wife is number two. When we got married, we made it very clear that she's going to love God. More than me. And I returned the favor. I said, I'm going to love God more than I love you. And there'll be moments in our lives we're not going to flinch and we're not going to share. We're not going to shake our love for God to meet a need that may be selfish in your life. And can I be honest with you? There's a few times. Let me just say this. I've been selfish at least once or a thousand times in our marriage. There have been moments when I look back and I can look back in, in us and when we were young and thinking all these things and, and having wrong concepts and all of a sudden being around people that love God and love their mate. And I saw the quality that it was always about loving God first. And that's what I love about my wife. She loves the Lord. She loves Jesus. To be really fulfilled, you have to meet the one. But you can never forget 
if you're taking notes, that God is always your one. And your spouse is your two. To really be fulfilled in life, absolutely true, you have to meet the one. God is always the one. What did Jesus say? Most important thing ever. What's the big command above all else? To make God your what? Your one. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love what it says. What, what, what do you need to do if you want someone else in the world to work it? If you want it to work out. The Bible says this. Seek first the one, God. To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. To really have the kind of marriage that God wants you to have. You have to know the one. Amen? The reason why so many of us are saying, if only I had this, he would love me or she would love me. And I'm so dissatisfied is because in your marriage, God is not truly one. Even if you're Christian, he may not be the one in your marriage. You're not living or putting him first. Come on, do y'all still love me? You're not living and putting him first. See, to catch up, as we move on with the story, Leah had three sons. And so I love this part of the story. Each time thinking, well, if I give him another son, then he'll love me. He'll just love me. But look what happened. Look, it's, a, it's this beautiful one. Think about this. Here's the deal. It was Leah, the older one, not the Rachel, the younger one, the beautiful one, was the mother of Judah. Turn, turn with me to verse 35. Look what it says. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, now listen to what it said. It's a whole different thing that happens. Now I will praise the Lord. Wait a minute, Pastor. What, what are you talking about? Let me just say that here's the deal. Providing once again in Scripture that out of something that didn't start right, God brought one of the most beautiful miracles in all of history. Say it with me. Say, anything is possible. Say it with me. Anything is possible. See, what you might not know is this. Right before one of the most beautiful miracles in history, it's incredible. I want you to hear this. In you, Leah actually through her bloodline, through Judah, brought the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. What start, something that started, it's, it kind of reminds me of you and me, how we start out life. How many of you just say, you know, I had stupid written on my forehead a few times in my life. I've made some bad mistakes. My marriage hasn't always been hot. Come on. Or, you know what? I, I needed to change. Whew. Come on. How many of you say, look, and if, you look at, if you're sitting by someone, you know they need, you can elbow them. I'll give you free elbow room. I want you to hear this. If your marriage didn't start out right, or is not right today, if, you're, if, if they're two seeking one, anything is possible. 
anything is possible. Anything is possible. I'm telling you, it's possible. That you know what? Seemed like it started out something terrible that God can totally, totally change it around and make it for something good. If you're married, take the hand of your spouse this morning. Take the hand of your spouse. Come on up, baby. I'm going to hold my wife's hand. I want God to teach us to make him one. How about you? And maybe you're here this morning, you go, my marriage isn't where it needs to be. Or maybe you're here this morning, you say, you know what, I want a marriage where God is the one. And pastor, I'm still leaving out hope for that, that God's going to provide that number two for me. Because he's going to be the one. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. All over, come on. Come on, if you're believing, come on. If you don't want that, that's okay. We we just pray, your relationship dries up, okay? Is that all right? Anybody want that? Come on, raise it up. All right, put it down. How about maybe you're here this morning and you just pray, Pastor, I just want to pray that our marriage would be centered around the one. Let me pray for you this morning. Let's pray. Because we want to honor the Lord and we want marriages that honor Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just pray for those that want to have a marriage that you're the one. I thank you that, Lord, in their heart, they realize this morning after this message and looking at your word, that, Lord, that the truth will set them free, that they wouldn't set themselves up for looking for a person and bring fulfillment and being able to sacrifice things that, that they don't need to sacrifice, Lord. And I pray for those who are married, who, who, who uh, they, they put too much on their spouse. I, I, and I, I want, and they're saying, I want my marriage to be about the one, and I want our marriage to be, be one that is, that is centered around Jesus. I pray for those this morning that have struggled with that. Maybe it's because the mate's been not where they need to be, but Lord, I pray that they would come, that, that this morning that you would begin to change hearts and say, let's serve God, and through that, we'll learn how to serve one another. I pray for those that, I pray, Father, for the men in this house, that you would help them to rise up to be the spiritual leaders, the pastors of their homes, and women that would help to to serve, uh, they would serve together in their children and the ways of the Lord. I pray against all the attacks of the evil one that that, 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 that try to come against us. God, that you can begin the healing process and something, a miracle after miracle could come out of our marriages that are, that are not where they should be. But God, we believe today it's possible. We believe it's possible. Jesus, become our one. Become our one. I pray in this house this morning. Father, maybe there are people here this morning. And I pray for those all... Throughout this crowd, there may be someone here and said, you know, Pastor Bob, I'm not married or I am married, but God's not the one in my life. And I, I want him to be that one. I want to serve him. I don't want to compromise things any longer. I don't want to have expectations of someone else. But I realize I need you. Father, I pray for them pray this morning that we would they'd be willing to put their pride down would you just pray this with me this morning all throughout this house so lord jesus come on help me out y'all pray lord jesus i pray this morning that you would renew my heart with a fire and a passion for you
forgive me for my selfishness. When I've looked for things to meet my needs. Even my mate. Forgive me. And let me realize you're the only one that can fulfill and meet all my needs. Let me just say this. Passion follows purpose. It's, that's what makes us fully alive when we follow our passion. Not, not your, your physical passions, but your need to be loved, to be forgiven, to be accepted. To know that God accepts you for where you are. Aren't you glad that God loves you? Aren't you glad that there's hope? Listen to me. I don't care where your marriage is. I know people that have gotten divorced, married someone else, got divorced from them, and married the the spouse they had before. I'm serious. I know someone's close friend like that. And some of you go, oh, I ain't going back to the first one. And maybe you've had a failed marriage. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you, God, God can restore you and give you that mate that he longs for you to have. That's his dream. That's his desire. Or maybe you're in a place where I'm just starting to trust my mate. And, you know, Pastor Bubba, I, I, I mean, you just don't know. And can I just say something? Maybe I don't know. But I know this. I know the one that can help you. I know the one that can heal you. I know the one that's for you. I've learned this. If you just do what is possible, God can do the impossible. You believe that? If you do the little, God can do the much. And some of you going, you know what, Pastor Bubba? I mean, my wife and I, we, we've talked about this before. She goes, I, she goes I, I tell her, well, I'm not getting married if, if you ever go before me. She goes, oh, Bubba McCann, you know you. And I go, well, you, you, you can get married. She goes, I'm not getting married. Oh, no. And we've had those talks. You know what I'm saying? Look. And, you know, it, it's like this. I'll just say this. He says, well, and it's through those times. And even as I've walked through my health and things like that that I battled the last two years with cancer and stuff, you know, it's like it made us talk about things that I never wanted to bring up before. And I don't want anything to happen to you. Are you hearing me? To where all of a sudden you've got to talk about things that you wanted to avoid. But I, I just want to encourage you the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some cool stuff. Is that all right? How many of you feel encouraged this morning? How many of you look at this story and go, there's hope for me? That's the whole point of this. We're having our conference in a couple of weeks. And, I, I, you know, you can register online. You can register at the table. If you're a visitor today, I think I have it. Boy, hey, son. That's my, my fourth son back there playing the guitar for me. I like seeing that. One day, he's, he's 18. He's hoping to have a great marriage one day. <laughs> Trying to help you out, are you? If you're a visitor, please fill out a connect card before you leave. There should be one in the front of your, your seat there close to you. And, and if you do, fill that out. We have a, you can go up to the table as you're walking out, our kiosk table, and they'll give you a gift. And we just want to th- thank you for being here with us this morning. Also, before we leave, are we going to be ready for that? Okay, everybody's been wondering uh, how Joel's doing and uh, Pastor Josh has an update and after we do that, I'm going to kind of dismiss everybody. Is that all right? So I know everybody's been praying and believing God for Joel and praying for Pastor Josh and Lindsay. So 
Pastor Josh has this update real quick. We'll go ahead and show that if we can. Hey, OSC family, so glad you're in church this morning. We can bring you some great news right here from Houston, Texas on Joel and our family. God has been so good to us. Uh, it's just been amazing. These past seven days have been miracle after miracle after miracle. And uh, we're actually, we're no longer in New Orleans. We're actually in Houston at the Texas Children. That was an answer to prayer. So many of you prayed for us that we would get here. Uh, that, uh, if you, you may not know this, but Texas Children's is one of the world's leading uh, lung transplant centers as well as uh, pulmonary hypertension centers. And uh, we have the three best pulmonologists uh, looking at Joel right now. They have been phenomenal uh, they, they come with great hope, and the great thing is uh, two of them we know are Christians. They love Jesus, and so we've been able to talk about Jesus and uh, talk about his miracle working power in Joel's life. Um, but just real quick to give you a, a quick update right now, we are uh, in a good place. Joel's been doing really well. The medicines, they've been increasing them uh, to see if they would work better, and so he's been in, on increased medication over the past probably five or six days. And tomorrow's a big day because we do an echo in his heart to see if his, if his lungs and his blood vessels and his heart is actually responding to the medicine uh, the way they want it to. If it is, um, then they're going to try to get us home, which is great news. Uh, so we want to see him responding well to this medicine. Um, his, uh, they did a, a thing called a BNP where they, they take his blood to see what the count is. Anything that's over about 100 or 200 is, is, um, is pretty bad pulmonary hypertension. Just to give you a, a, a look at what happened, in Lake Charles, his BMP was 15,000. And uh, when we left Lake Charles, it was about 11,000. In New, New Orleans, it had gotten down, I think, to about five or 6,000. And I just talked to our pulmonologist the other day, and it's right at 1,000 now, which is still uh, severe hypertension, but the number is decreasing, which is great news. So they would like to see it in the one to 200s in the coming days. Um, so that's something you can specifically pray for, that that would come down, um, as well as his pulmonary pressure is still matched with his systemic pressure. It's still really, really high, so they definitely want to see that come down. This is a disease that they are um, they see all the time, but they have high regard for, and so um, they take things very slow, and they're very systematic in the way they do things, um, but we could not be more excited to be amongst the best of the best. And uh, thank you for your prayers and helping us do that. Uh, we are so appreciative of your support. And uh, we're just excited about the coming days. God is good. He is faithful. He has blessed us. He's given us favor along the way. And so we continually speak life over Joel that he will live and not die. And he will declare what the Lord has done according to Psalms 118.17. But hey, I hear there's a really hot woman that's about to come on the stage and give you a whole lot probably better news and talk a lot better than I, I ever could. And so, uh, babe, I love you. I can't wait to see you tonight. Church, we can't wait to see you soon. But thanks for your prayers, and uh, and we'll let you know what's going on. Go follow us on Facebook to, uh, to hear what happens tomorrow. Come on, Lindsay's in the house. I'm just going to let her share a little bit. Just so for some of you that are visitors, you might not know, but... Joel and Lindsay may share a little bit. You heard from the video. He's been in the hospital 33 days. days. I think it's 33. Josh told me like four 30, and a half weeks. Yeah, 33, 34 days. And so we've just been praying as a church. And you know, the, the greatest miracle, is, first the first miracle, he didn't pass away. He didn't go be with the Lord. 
I mean, that was, it's incredible. Also, just to be able to get him to New Orleans the way it's happened and get him to Houston the way it's happened. And when Josh told me about those numbers coming down, and that's just incredible. That's God. And so we just want to ask you to continue to pray. But you know what? Look, Josh came last Sunday, got all the love he could. And so I want, we want to love on Lindsay before she leaves today. Amen? So, Lindsay, just share. She swears it's on you. Good morning. It's so good to be with y'all, but uh, half of my heart is in Texas um, still. So I'm excited to go back, but it's been really, really good. These past few days, I've spent time with our older boys and had a birthday party with Judah. But if you don't know anything about our story, you got to know four and a half weeks ago, I thought I was taking Joel to the doctor for just uh, more asthma medicine. And it was literally like, go to Lake Charles now. It's his heart. And then nonchalantly told by the... Um, ER doctor that he had congestive heart failure. Um, Totally knocked us off of our feet in a way, but yet in that moment, it's like the ground was moved. I had no breath in my body and we cried, but yet we knew the foundation of God on which we stand and that was unshakable. And that's what has kept us and held us to know this whole time that he has been so near to us. He has been so faithful. He has been Psalm 62, our rock. We will not be shaken no matter what the news has been. And we've been punched in the gut in these past four months. I mean, four weeks, many times, but yet you turn around and God is there and he's faithful and his word has been true. And so um, it really is a miracle. He is alive. It's a miracle that we got into Texas children's because of our circumstances It just doesn't happen that way, and it doesn't even happen that fast. So we knew in a day that he was accepted, and that is literally the best place that he could be. Our hearts could jump with excitement um, as the specialists that we've talked to and the hope that they have and that they've seen this before. Because in New Orleans, it was pretty much like medically no hope, and then we get to Texas, and we have medical hope. We've had hope in God the whole time, but now we're finally getting medical hope, and um, there's three things with for Joel and out of this. There's medicine, 24 hours a day, his whole life. There's a lung transplant, or there's a miracle. And we're obviously believing for a miracle, but that's the road we have ahead of us. We have a new normal. Our life like, is gone of what, we, we, um, it, what it used to be. But we have a new normal, and yet we still have the expectancy and hope that, of what God can do. That, <clears throat> and where we are is... Um, Never know the passage of the Bible, but with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when they were, you know, faced with the fire, he said, they said, God can save us. And he has the power to. But if he doesn't, we still trust him. And no matter what this journey looks like, we still trust him. We have not lost our hope and our faith. And you never know what's inside of you or the faith that you have until you're tested. And um, in all the craziness and uh, struggles... It's encouraging to know that, you know, we still stand um, on God. And we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds our future. And I know that sounds cliche, but that's what we just throw ourselves on. And so um, we are so appreciative of everyone's prayers. I mean, they really, that's carried us. Everyone's support, everyone's love. And we just thank you for everything. And y'all have been incredible. Y'all have been um just a, another rock that we can lean on. So thank y'all for everything. And we love y'all. Love you, Lynn. We're going to pray for Lindsay and Josh. But as we do, I just wanted, I want you to believe this. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, I want you to believe God's going to touch you this morning. 
Maybe you need a miracle from God in the physical. Maybe you've been battling things in your own, in, in, in yourself. And you just need victory in your life in areas of your life that you've just struggled with for years. So I want you to, I wanted you to trust that God can touch you and meet you, meet every need that you have in your life. How many believe that God is the God of the impossible? We got to be willing to believe God. For, you know, we do what we can do, the possible we can do. It gives God the opportunity to do the impossible that he can only do. And I, I still remember Harry Gomes coming and visit me. And the thing he said, he said, Pastor Baba, he said, Madison cleanses, but Jesus heals. And he still does. So can you extend your hands towards Lindsay? Come up here, Lindsay. Tracy, come on. Zach, come on. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning for what, how you are covering Josh and Lindsay and Joel. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, you promised us that you would never give us more than we can handle. And Lord, we question that sometimes as humans. This is all I can handle. And I know they've walked through that. They've wept. They've, they've had hope. They've been built up. They've been torn down. But, Lord, we thank you this morning as a church family. We love them. And we pray, God, you're, you're, we just pray your healing over Joel's situation. And through this, that the Belt family, God, would be strengthened and encouraged. And they would be able to shine the light of Jesus. Your, your light, Lord. All throughout this region. All throughout this community. And people would be amazed. I, I've run into people that don't even come to our church. And they ask me questions. And Lord, I thank you, Father. They've seen their Facebook. And they've been following me. said, I'm so encouraged what God is doing. And I'm so overwhelmed at how God is with them. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to pour out your grace and your hope. Oh, God, over Joshua. Lindsay and Joel, but Lord, on people that are here this morning, we pray, I pray for those that need a miracle. I pray for those that just need your touch this morning. I pray for those that God, they, 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 they may be in a journey in their life and they need you more than they've ever needed you before. And I thank you, God, you'll meet them as they cry out to you. And Lord, the, big, the biggest cry we can cry sometimes, just help God, I need you. And I thank you that you're going to be there and that you are there and you're going to walk through with them through their storm to the other side. And I thank you from the other side. I see Joel running down the field, laughing and playing. I see that side, God. And Lord, we pray that, that you would bring that to reality in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Love you, ladies. Hey, we love you. Let me just dismiss you. Can I pray a blessing over you? And Father, I just thank you for everyone here. I pray your blessings and your grace over everyone's life. I pray that God, as they walked in this morning, I thank you they were blessed. And I pray they'd be even more doubly blessed as they walk out this morning. I pray that even when their marriages, that God, you would just spark something in their marriage. And God, you would cause them to grow and, to, uh, and God, to flourish with you. We just pray your blessings and your grace over everyone's life. I pray that you would give them favor that's not fair. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Hug someone, give them a high five, and tell them you're glad to see them at church. Don't forget, if you're a visitor, go to the table, and we got a gift for you. God bless you.